Welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends and partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and international man of leisure, Ronald J. Martin, whose trip is winding down, but we're not going to dwell on that pipe. We don't have time to dwell on it because we got business. We have, uh, we have, we have work business to discuss uh, in that we have some new sponsors. Uh, so Piper, do what you do. Be the Michael Jordan of the promo read. Uh, and lay some of these sponsors on us because we've we've got interesting topics to get to today. This is the uh, this is the middle aged men with big egos uh, episode of the Happy Ramp. To Rant be podcast. clear, not describing us. Well, no, not not necessarily middle aged men with big egos. At some level, that that probably could describe all three of us, though, because I, I think we all we we all are somewhere on that spectrum. But uh, lest we get ahead of ourselves, Piper, what do we have business wise? Well, to start, if I am the Michael Jordan of promos, today is the Michael Jordan after playing 48 holes of golf in the Florida sun and then spending all <laughs> night at a casino. So if I'm a little that's off my on my promos, that's, uh, that's, I'm coming from that. I'm that version of Michael Pipe, Jordan. You don't need to qualify. You never need to qualify. Wait, wait, wait. Pipe, how, how close to reality is that? Have you, have you really done like... Jordany things in terms of all night gambling and golf because I, I want that to be true. Oh, here's the thing: if I had done that, I would be so much better right now. No, it's more a matter of like church responsibilities and children, which I got you. I got far you. more draining than anything Michael Jordan ever did in his party lifestyle. So, um, all right, our first sponsor is Waterbrook Multnomah, and the book is "The Rise of the Servant Kings: What the Bible Says About Being a Man." And lest you think this is a book that fits the middle-aged egotistical uh, version of manhood or toxic manhood, as the, uh, as the vernacular is these days, the whole premise of it is looking at how the, the importance of humility, surrender to God, and servanthood as what true manhood is. So Ken Harrison is the author. He was uh, heavily inv- uh, involved in Promise Keepers back in the day, which I think still exists in some way, shape, or form, but it's not a stadium. Dude, I hope it does. It's kind of like a nostalgic thing. I hope it exists. And, you know, as much as it was sort of a goofy thing to rag on, it did a lot of good for a lot of people. Like Promise Keepers was one of those things that it it didn't promote a brand of manhood that caused problems, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I Unlike agree. some of the people we will discuss shortly. Um, so... Harrison was heavily involved in that. He was the chairman of it, which sounds like a position of a lot of authority. He's also a former Los Angeles police officer, and oh. he is now a CEO of Waterstone, which is um, basically a, a large humanitarian fund for Christian organizations. So he's been involved in a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, the, so the book is The Rise of the Servant Kings. It's a look at humility, surrender as the heart of manhood. And the range of endorsements on this. Oh, you'll love this, Ted. Evander Holyfield endorsed this book. <laughs> Evander Holyfield, my old friend. I've been in his house. Followed immediately uh, by Oz Guinness. So yeah, I, w- I was gonna, I was gonna run down the roster of endorsers. This is a, this is a, an all-star lineup. Um, who, who's your favorite endorser there? Mine is Holyfield. I'm calling Holyfield. I mean, uh, Holyfield was my favorite favorite. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just because, just because he's the coolest. Yeah. Um, let me see. The fact that he and Oz Guinness are right next to each other makes me very happy. Oz Guinness, you know, he's a British guy, writes a lot, very thoughtfully about culture. Um, yeah. And he's just, he's super even keel. If you've ever heard him speak, you know, it's very precise. And then you got Holyfield, who made a living battering people, people into the death. ground. Yeah. Dude, um, can, I, can so I parse Holyfield's endorsement for, for just one second? Please. Because as I read this, Piper, there's a 0% chance that he wrote any of this. Can I just go through this? Please, break it down. 
All right. This is Evander Holyfield on Rise of the Servant Kings. In Rise of the Servant Kings, Ken Harrison explains clearly what the core qualities of a man of God should be. And I, you know, that sentence is okay. I don't see Evander using the term core qualities, um, but, but I'm just going to move forward. Since Ken is an ex-police officer, he is not afraid to get right to the nitty-gritty in describing how a man can apply the Bible's principles. Okay, so there, there is a 0% chance that Evander Holyfield would ever say nitty-gritty. Um, that's a that's a middle aged lady thing to say, not a like. Well, that sounds yeah, that sounds like uh, somebody my mom's age trying to describe what she thinks a middle aged black man might say. <laughs> exactly, that's like th- this drifted across somebody's desk. Somebody in Evander Holyfield's empire was like, write him an endorsement for this book. And also, this is what all this person knew about Evander Holyfield was what Google Images told them. They're like, ah, I think he was maybe he was in that Creed movie or something. Looks like he might yeah. have, might have pretended to be a boxer at one point. Now, this this is the interesting part to me, Piper. From personal integrity to marriage to fatherhood to serving his fellow man. If you want a no nonsense guide to getting manhood right, this is it. Now. I just want to beg the question. I'm just throwing this out into the universe. Has Evander Holyfield gotten those things right? I, you know, I don't feel like I'm in a position to judge. That's the thing. I, I, I really don't fully either, but I'm just begging the question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It seems odd to me, but there it is. Evander Holyfield on the rise of the Servant Kings. Go, go buy the book. What more do you need to know? All right. Well, I'm going to uh, – we'll, we'll bookend this with the first line of Oz Guinness's endorsement, which is some authors write with ink and some with water. Harrison writes with blood and fire. How do you write with any of those things? All of us on this program have, have written ink, books. Ink and blood, I can imagine. The water and fire part, I mean, unless we're talking, you know, bathed in the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's what he's getting at. So – Anyway. It's actually the only one I can I can really get my head around. I don't I don't you know people talk about bleeding on the page, but uh, I've never actually done it, and I, I assume you boys haven't either. So no, that's, um, that sounds a little bit that uh, sounds a little bit like vampire movie ish. This is strange from Oz Guinness. I don't know where Oz is going with this. Well, we'll. <laughs> We're going to have this book as a sponsor for the next couple episodes, so we can suss out this one. We can suss out John Stone Streets, and, oh, we have a Lieutenant General, William yeah. Boykin of the Army. We can get into these. So, anyway, Rise of the Servant Kings is the book from Waterbrook, Wellnoma. Check that out. Uh, our other sponsor is Nav Press and Tyndale Publishers. The book is Down to Earth. We've talked about this the last couple episodes. It is a book exploring how Jesus used parables to connect people to uh, the gospel in very real life ways. So using real life examples. And so looking at prayer life and faith in God and humility and just all the different things the parables touches on. The author is Tom Hughes. He's a longtime pastor. Um, sorry, Tom, but your list of endorsers, while they wrote nice things about your book, there's no Vander Holyfields on here. So um, did you get Mike Tyson for his? <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tyson, big fan of the parables. Um, Huge fan of the the oh, actually, yeah, I don't know who any of these people are. Get? Except for who's Albert the most Tate. famous person he has? Uh, Glenn Burris Jr., president of the Foursquare Church, or oh, Glenny, or Albert Tate, who is mm. an author and speaker who I'm familiar with through sort of just circles of people, but I don't. Oh, mm. president of Fuller Theological Seminary, Mark Laberton. That seems that seems meaningful. And then, yep, yeah, that's about it. But the book is down to earth, how Jesus' stories can change your everyday life. 
and exploration, uh, kind of a devotional, reflective look at the parables. Go check that out from Nav Press. It is available now. Well, there you have it, Piper. That's a lot of business, and uh, this this podcast is nothing. Ronnie is now searching for cabins in protest of all of this talk. Ronnie's doing his own business. His own. I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for e-bikes right now, boys. E-bikes. What is an e-bike? It's an electronic bike, an electric bike. There you go. You get all the benefit of being outside with none of the exercise. That's good, baby. So it's like it's like a. It's like a moped with a tiny motor no. or something? No, yeah. It's like it has a motor and it like enhances the pedaling. So it gives you a boost when you're going up the hill. Judas <laughs> H. Priest, listen to me. How old does one have I, to be to need something like this? I mean, at least as old as like middle-aged guys needing endorsements. I mean, at least that old. Baby, I want you to get a vintage 1980s moped. And and I'm going to be upset if you get this e-bike. You, you got to... Baby, these the are just modern thing. mopeds. This is all it is. It's just a modern moped. That's dude, it. I know, but the old mopeds were so were so dope, man. They <laughs> were so you gotta, horrible, and clunky. And dude, they were. They were horrible and clunky. But like, all the cool like dirtbag kids in your town had one like back you in the eighties. Baby, you want me to be vintage instead of like new and modern and all Pirates of the Caribbean? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I want for you, baby. All right. How, how relaxed are you right now? Are you so relaxed? The most uh, relaxed. I- I can barely speak. I can barely get words out of my mouth. It's like it's like it's effort and work to get the words up and out. I know, baby. There's a fine so... line between relaxation and boredom, it seems. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, lest, lest Ronald get bored, Pipe, let's lean into these topics. And uh, we've got three men to talk about. Uh, all three of them, I think. It's, it's no stretch to say that they have big egos. Um, I want to talk about Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is a business guy uh, who's known for being brash and abrasive. Um, and swearing a lot and building his persona online. Uh, Pipe, you and I are familiar with with Gary V as he's known in the industry because uh, we are friends with guys who are who fancy themselves entrepreneurs. Um, and these entrepreneurial type guys in your church, um, they're they're almost all of them fanboying over G- Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, apparently, Ron doesn't have young entrepreneurial guys in his church. Uh, I feel like Ron is a young entrepreneurial guy. To be guy, fair, though. Ron wouldn't know because he hasn't been at his church in like three months. So <laughs> That's true. He doesn't know who's at his church anymore. They, mean, they, they might have attracted a whole bunch of them over the course of the spring. He may Dude, have this a is an outrage. What, what, what's an outrage? Which part? To say that I haven't been at my church for three months. <laughs> How is it an outrage in that you haven't? Because it's only been a month. It's only been a month, guys. It's 30 days. Come 30 on. Days. 30, 30 days. 30 days. 30 just, days out of out of 365 days. Just you know? your average run-of-the-mill, you know, long Just a, vac- for just a, a vacation, boys. Okay, this is my question. Why Why do you guys wh- – wh- why are we talking about Gary V? Like, wh- did he do something nutty? Why are we talking about him? Well, Pipe, explain this to Ron. He's he's kind of always doing something nutty, and I feel like Gary V is the sort of business thought leader, like entrepreneur that Donald Miller wants to be. So you think Donald Miller is on this kind of – like Christian Gary V, quote unquote Christian Gary V trajectory. Kind of, uh, except like Donald Miller has his has his uh, like he has his thing. Like he does branding, so his whole thing is helping companies like tell their story, and they have this very tightly crafted way of doing it. Yeah, Gary V is sort of like he's just an he is a successful entrepreneur, no question. Like he's done successful business things he's made money so in that sense he gets credit he's not just a you know self-proclaimed expert at stuff um but he's just sort of this outsized personality who has kind of no breaks on his mouth he's 
lo- he he thrives on profanity. Um, that's not a judgment statement. That's just count the f bombs. Um, which I think is part of the reason why the young Christian entrepreneurs like him because there's sort of an edginess and he's he's a little dangerous. He's essentially like he's a little Driscolly, except yep. except he's not pretending to be you know representing Jesus. He's just representing commerce, and so again he gets credit for not being fake in that way. But yeah, he's just a uh, he's he's sort of the next round of like leadership entrepreneur guys after you know there was John Maxwell and there was Seth Godin. So Maxwell was sort of like the the uh, the baby boomer version. Godin was sort of the like Zen Yoda ish guy. And Godin was Gary, the tribes guy, right? Like find yeah. your tribe, that whole deal. Tribes, purple cow, mm-hmm. all marketers are liars, etc. He wrote a whole bunch of stuff. None of his books <laughs> were any good. Um, no. Or they they were fine. They just should have been a blog post, which is where they started anyway. Um, you would and, fit in well with Christian publishing, right? right. Well, who, who's <laughs> imitating who here? Um, exactly. And and then Gary's sort of that the the next generation, which is like it's off, it's authentic, it's real, it's genuine. We're not going to polish and spit shine anything. It's all going to be very sort of aggressive and in your face. And it fits with sort of the rise of leadership books that are like the subtle art of not giving an F and all of these books like that, that are, they, mm-hmm. they sort of just, you know, there's one called the no a holes rule. There's, you know, they're just, they're sort of like publishing has now adopted this. Like, yeah, we're just going to slap sort of crudity or crassness on the cover of a book and roll with it. Is it almost yeah. like, we're just like, we're actually just embracing what it really is, which is take no prisoners, get exactly where you want to go, you know, kind of, you know, create your own destiny and just who cares who's a trail of dead behind you as you're doing it's it. It's kind of, kind of like it, that, except he, like he's not a mean person in terms of like, so one of the guys we're going to get to shortly is a decidedly mean person who literally wanted to leave a trail of dead bodies in his wake. Um, <laughs> this, this that may be the best thing you've ever said on the program. <laughs> Gary, Gary V <laughs> Gary V is, he's more just like, yeah, it's a take control of your own destiny, do your own thing, you know, but not he's not trying to get people to freight train others. It's just he just has this personality that's that's kind of aggressive, pointed like, man, this is who I am. And I think that's why people like him, because nobody wants to have enough self-control to know oh, I shouldn't say that around these people. I should couch this in a certain way. I should have some self-control. He's just unapologetic is what it's super like. unapologetic. Yeah. Yep. But it, he's a massive hit amongst in the secular business worlds obviously but also in like the christian business world or the christian entrepreneurs and they look to him and they're like oh he's my guy pipe don't you think it's a little like there's a little like shred of just motivation in it too where like these these young christian businessmen like they probably never had a they never had a jv football coach at a public school who swore at them all the time so like they they kind of like you know waking up in the morning and and hopping on twitter and having gary v like smack him around a little bit um, don't, you, don't you think there's a little element of that to it? I think so. And I mean, I, yeah, I think there's that. I, he, he resonates for the same reason that Driscoll did, because sure. there is a there's a whole swath of sort of aggressive, testosterone full young men mm-hmm. who want to be like have a fuse lit under him. And yeah. a guy who can get in your face and sort of shout at you or just sort of cut through the BS does that. It's, it's like kids growing up having to listen to Christian hip hop, and then when they're old enough, they can finally put on a Jay Z record, and it's like their whole world expands. Yeah, exactly. There's, that's definitely part of it. And 
I think in the Christian world, because of the wreckage caused by the, you know, like the hyper-aggressive masculine pastors, there's sort of been a move away from that, which Mm. I would say is like 90% good. But I also think we are at risk of not connecting effectively with guys who need to be had somebody shoot straight to him. And so somebody like Gary Vee starts filling the void in some ways. Dude, he's a Russian wine critic worth 160 mil, boys. He started out as a wine critic. Really? That's what it says on his wiki. Ron, give me a little more background because I I I haven't cared enough to like – really look into his background but uh like was he a wine critic that then started didn't he pipe start one of these like mail order wine companies or or am i thinking of a different guy yeah it says it's for he yeah. was first known as a wine critic who so he comes his family had a wine business and then he got into digital marketing and social media and just kind of went from there and just exploded so yeah interesting interesting yeah, I'm, I'm on his site it's called empathywines.com don't worry we're not getting paid for this Mm. Um, two of us are employed by Baptist organizations. We can't have any knowledge right. of this, but yes, we so hate he, this. He this has is started, the worst. He has started this evil, uh, debauched thing where you can get what is apparently good wine for <laughs> affordable prices. Well, I'm not nice. Baptist, so I just signed up for the mailing list. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ronald will be, uh, he'll be enjoying empathy wines. I'm part of on his, on his next retreat. Exactly. Um, yeah, just don't don't have it sent to your home. Have it sent directly to Naples, Florida. So Gary V, if you're listening, <laughs> send that wine to the to the Sojourn Retreat Center in Naples, Florida. I just so yeah, so just looking through his website, his his uh, his email list is called the Hustlers Digest, not to be confused with Hustler Magazine. That's something else. Uh, the Gary V content strategy is a key part of this. How to grow and distribute your brand's social media content. So he's. That gives you a sense of kind of what he's what he's about. Um, he's got a podcast, I think. Um, I mean, he just does all of the the branding, marketing, build your business stuff. But guys, don't you think that like the Christian market is ripe for a sort of a non cussing sort of version of this guy to sort of yeah. write that book, kind of start those like start those seminars. Be, you know, be, you know, a guy about his age well, I mean, that has so, that kind of personality. So, Mike, so Michael, it's not Dave Ramsey, Michael Hyatt. Know. Michael Hyatt was the guy, but Michael Hyatt is is more in the John Maxwell. Michael generation. Hyatt was kind of a joke too, just kind of a che- cheese bag. Well, you right? know, I'll take joke for his bank account to some degree. Like, oh, he, totally, totally. Which all of that to say, yes, Christians are ripe for it because when you slap a Christian label, I mean. If Christians have proven anything, it's that when you slap a Christian label on stuff, we'll buy some garbage. Yeah, that's um, true. But I mean, just that sort of like you get a guy, you get like this Driscollian dude, right? That like comes in and, you know, he, he's kind of has that machismo a little bit, kind of is a little raw, you know, kind of uh-huh. shoots straights, kind of gets under everybody's skin, but has all these sort of like brilliant, inspiring things that everybody wants to glom onto. I mean, it feels really ripe to me right now. You know yeah, I, mean? I think I think Michael Hyatt was like the last generation's version of that. He was sort of the like the Willow Creek version of that. Right. And I think I think the new one, Piper, and maybe even Donnie Miller's a little bit. Too so, we, but we need a guy with like but, cats that's just like. That's like what kinda, I'm saying. Yeah, he's got to be a little hipster, you know, like a, a little a little aggro, like you said, Ron, but also a little hipster. Um, I, I don't know. Like, he's, I feel like most guys who have that bent have decided to plant churches instead of plant branding <laughs> businesses until their churches fail, and then they go become consultants. 
dude, there you go. So we gotta we gotta get these guys to like fail their churches in a couple more years, and then and then they'll be ready. Oh, just yeah, give it a minute. Um, but I think so. John Acuff tried this to it, you know. So he was he was sort of Christian humor dude, guy. Acuff, you're but right, he's kind man. Of a, but he's a goofball, though, right? I mean, he doesn't. Right. Like, he followed more like the humor, and and honestly, like he is a very good natured person in terms of like he's not the aggressive, edgy guy. He uses humor, but not. You know, he's not sort of a blunt, in-your-face, stop-being-an-idiot kind of guy. Yeah, he's more of like the John, you know, <laughs> what's, his, what's his name? Jo, jo, what's, what's the, the comedian? comedian? Chris? Yeah. yeah. No, 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 the other guy. More Maxwell? Hanging. Yeah. Dude, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Acuff right now, Piper. Just pictures. You know what he is? This is, this is a little bit of a stretch. Acuff is like I, the John Mulaney of, of, of this whole scene. Mulaney, yes, that's a pretty good call. <laughs> I think he's the male version of you know the the sort of affluent Nashville woman that's really like popping right now in terms of Christian publishing with the the kind of long the long platinum blonde hair and the like I'm so stressed ha 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 you know but like look look at how amazing my <laughs> look at how amazing my life is kind of thing Are you talking about Rachel Hollis baby Yeah I mean, kind of like that dude Oh I feel but, like but there's but there's like there's like different of layers of evangelicalism cuz Rachel Hollis is the you know sort of pseudo spirituality but you have those that are like Bible study leaders and a whole, I mean, that's, that's like a whole genre of, of, yeah, kind of that version of, um, of Christian evangelical women influencers of Christian. Yeah. Nashville person. Um, to be fair, two thirds of them are from Texas. So Nashville has a good portion of that, but Texas owns the market. That's very true, man. That's so true. Um, I think you're right though, Ron. I think the market is, is, like ready for that kind of it's Christian just weird guy. that somebody hasn't like risen up huh somebody so to like, like give you permission to make all your money and be a huge materialist which as we've discussed is like kind of dave ramsey's thing but, but well that's what i'm saying he'd have to put like a twist on it which is like yeah this is all this is about stewardship but it's also about like taking right. what's yours but then it's about like giving it away but then it's about keeping enough of it no, you know what I mean? so like, it's it has to be it can't be your it can't be your money ramsey has the personal finance thing down where he's like this is how yeah, you manage totally. your money and he has helped a billion people get out of debt and there's also the rich people side of things but then you have this has to be like this is the brand management so this is how yeah. to build your platform and like get rich for the kingdom of god or you know grow your business for the like sort of the yeah. you have to just you have to slap some mission on commerce dude right, right. you got to you got to like spiritualize the the getting yeah you rich. get it you get it to give it away so we like need build, this guy. build your like brand to give it away. Who's going to be this guy? It's not even like get it to a, give it away, Ron. That's a little too pastory and a little too like baby boomer. It's that's a little too correct, it's, it, Ron. It's more like both and. It's you well, can right, get I'm rich that, right? and, and the products you're selling are good for other people. Because so you, you don't already, have to give anything away. Because you already hear like sermons like that. No, man, we need to make as much money as we can because, you know what I mean? Like that's expanding the kingdom. So like there's so many different ways you can frame this. Dude, but these business guys love hearing that because that gives them permission to like to make be greedy. as much money as they can and be greedy. So like – Sanctified so, greed? I think, yeah, sanctified greed. So this guy needs to be – Old enough to have sort of a little bit of gravitas. So I'm, I'm saying north of 35, but south of 50. All right. So like younger than Ramsey, um, you know, even Donald Miller's probably pushing 50. So young, younger than Donnie M. Um, yeah, a little bit of tats, a little bit of hipster. How does probably- the Christian persona thing work, though? Because <clears throat> like authenticity equals profanity in this day and age. 
It's I gen- think, you and I are the most authentic people there are, Piper. I think Logan Logan has it. I don't think the guy can exist in the Christian market, the CBA. So what I, my theory is that he needs to exist outside of it, but have this sort of thing about it where like, no, I, I heard he's a Christian. I heard he actually believes in Jesus. And then so that, that's something yeah. that sort of is a part of who he is. He doesn't deny the Lord. He kind of has this sort of spirituality that's close enough to uh, – to uh, you know, to to you know, the, the evangel evangelistic community to make him kind of good with all of them, but then also he has permission to be a little bit raw. So everybody doesn't know what to do with him. He's kind of like riding, yeah. You know, he's kind of riding that tension, right? So you're not really sure where he's at, right? Yeah. So kind of almost like a Chris Pratt, like oh, I heard, you know, exactly I, like a, the Chris, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I dig it, man. I dig it. I think uh, there's Boy, an opportunity. I can't there. wait till this guy hits it big. He'll be my favorite. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we'll hate him. He'll be miserable and insufferable. We'll hate him, but we'll be promoing his book. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we'll do it with. Uh, and we'll do it Gusto. as long as Evander Holyfield endorses. I'm in. All right, boys. Speaking of uh, speaking of celebrities with with big egos who have had who have had rough years, um, James McDonald, and like, boy, where do we where do we even start talking about this in a way that will like ensure that he doesn't want to have us killed as well? But. Um, <laughs> So th- I'm, I'm just going to read some headlines. Uh, megachurch founder James McDonald allegedly sought murder for hire. Um, allegations, colon. Pastor James McDonald took steps to hire a hitman. This, that's from Pathios. He took steps. You know, he was walking down that road, uh, allegedly. So this is a guy that, um, you know, that, that, that kind of gets talked about all the time is, and, and now has become sort of the archetype for like, what happens when your megachurch empire gets out of control and, and maybe your ego gets out of control and all, and all this stuff. But maybe, like, maybe your ego I, gets out of control. Maybe. Yeah, this is, this is me hedging a bit. Um, what do we make of this? I mean, I, I'm going to ask Ron first just because they're both pastors, but I feel like that's like saying Michael Jordan and I are both basketball players because we've both shot a basketball. I feel like that's where the, that's where the comparisons stop. But uh, Big R, what do you make of this? How does someone like – get to this point dude i i just clicked on his website it says website under maintenance <laughs> yeah no kidding like persona under maintenance well dude and i love the link that everybody's <laughs> posting on social about the whole murder thing and he's like they, the picture they show of him is like him at some like harley davidson rally wearing like his leather jacket. dude i'm literally looking at that picture right now he's got, he's of got course it's white, that picture yeah the big white goatee the bald head and the right dude what is it about like I'll, I'll say pastors, but that's that's probably not fair. Like the wannabe tough guy thing. Like, hey, I'm a I'm a tough guy. I got a Harley. I got my leather jacket. Like, what what's going on with that? Dude, I don't know, man. I don't even know that. I mean, that's complex. Other than saying, like, I, I you know, it, it's weird to think that a guy like that aggressive. I mean, again, it, it goes back to Driscoll a little bit, but like a guy that's like that rough around the edges, that aggressive, has that bad of reputation, but built a church and a radio ministry that large. You know, yeah, what I mean? it's wild. Isn't like it? it's yeah. Well, at some point, it, at some point, somebody blows a whistle, right? But it's almost like, well, dude, like this could have happened like ten years. Like, did you like, did, like how far back do these murder, <laughs> these murder allocations go, right? I mean, yeah. when did you start threatening murder? Was this like twenty years ago? I mean, I know. Uh, you know, on on one hand, I mean, you could say that Jimmy Mack is just doing what we've all felt like doing. And, yeah, uh, he, he actually like made that phone call and said, so this guy's driving me up the wall. Is there a way to knock him off? I mean, we've all thought that, 
But like, we never make that call. So at some point, Jimmy Mack has so much power that he's thinking, hold on, I'm not only going to make the call, but I'm going to find a way that this could be possible. And like, it won't ever come back to me, but this guy will be actually dead. It's, it's, it's wild, which is why, like, and I think I speak for all three of us when I make this statement. So there, there is one level for us of like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Like, let's, let's talk about it in a semi funny way. But, but honestly, when Piper sent that link, like there, there was real sadness. Like there was a sense of, oh my gosh, that's just dark. You know, that's, it's so dark and it's so like, and this is the part that I think is, is sort of cautionary for me at least. And and maybe for you guys and pipe, I want to hear you on this. Like to me, it just looks like what happens when somebody goes so like, all in down the road of ego and influence and power such that you begin to get this skewed sort of godfather boardwalk empire sopranos kind of view of yourself where this not only seems normal it seems like a good idea um and i don't know i I guess we're all capable of that we're all capable of being that self-deluded um pipe what do you what do you make of this yeah, I mean, when I sent the link, I certainly wasn't sending it with like, <clears throat> "Hey, let's let's yuck it up about this." There, yeah, you yeah. know, I suppose there are jokes to be made, but at the same time, because because of the the context of the you know a church collapsing, uh, yeah. it kind of steals all the humor out of it. I <clears throat> it seems to me that what what sets a pastor who gets to this position apart from like say a crime boss you know organized yeah. crime you know watch the godfather whatever where people just sort of like they or boardwalk empire whatever is that the the ability to hold spiritual authority over somebody's head mm. is even heavier than the ability to hold like money over their head so yeah. most mega church pastors who get to this position don't have anybody who can speak bluntly into their lives who's not on their payroll. And if you are on the payroll, you don't speak bluntly because it could cost you your job. You don't tell yeah. your boss you're being an idiot. That's a, that's a bad idea, generally speaking. But when when money's the only thing stopping you, there does come a tipping point where either somebody offers you more money to tell the truth or you're like, it's just not worth it anymore. When yeah. somebody's holding spiritual authority over your head – you know, and that's and that was the culture there at Harvest was, you know, like you you are being divisive if you go against the church leadership. You are you are hurting God's church. Mm. And that's and I've been at other churches like that as well. That's that's a whole different level of insidious because you're essentially saying you're a bad Christian for trying to do a thing that looks very like that that is right. You are trying yeah. to do a thing that is godly, and for doing so, you are a bad Christian. Yeah, that's there's the a cost con- for that. That's yeah. the confusion that these guys sow and hold over people's heads. The other piece is they're so removed from the vast majority. My guess is, you know, I don't know how many people went to harvest, 10,000, 15,000. My guess is 80, 90% of those people had no idea what for kind sure. of a person for sure. James McDonald was. They only, yeah. maybe, maybe that might be generous. It might be more like 95%. They yeah. only knew what they saw on Sundays. And then if they had a really good small group or a really good Sunday school teacher or a really good church community in, cause you know, in, in a church of 10,000 people, everything is segmented. You have your little community within the larger church. And if that was healthy, which I think a lot of them were, there's no, there's no reason for them to be aware of, of his character issues. Now, if you have, if you have a sensitive 
you know, reflex to these things. You can probably pick up on stuff from the preaching and the way that he communicated and stuff like that. But the vast majority of people just had no, you know, no idea. Well, at they, all. And they become loyal and people become loyal to their pastor, too. So when somebody gets so when somebody gets into that sort of area of celebrity and fame, they start getting hits. And people are aware that, you know, when you're at the top of a particular game, you're just going to receive more hits. And then you have a congregation of 50, I'm not sure hit people. is the word we should use in this case. <laughs> But they're going to be loyal to him. So they're going to say, oh, you just don't like him because he's, you know, he has a wide audience now and he has influence and power. But I think um, I think going off of what Pipe said, though, Big T, is um, I think what's so dangerous about these kind of, uh, you know, these scenarios of churches that have just exploded to that degree is you you do sort of assume this kind of absolute power. I mean, what Pipe is saying is totally true. You you get you like you literally you you attain this kind of absolute power to where you I mean, and and imagine that kind of power in the context of a church scenario. Everybody's trying to think the best of you. Everybody's trying to believe the best of you. Everybody gives you the benefit of the doubt. So things don't even come down um, to a leader like that from a board in the way that they would in the marketplace. Right. Because you, you don't really have that level of accountability. Because, again, you're a man of God. You're a man of the cloth. Certainly, like, there's a humility. Certainly, you're a man that prays. Certainly, you're aware of your shortcomings. Certainly, things don't look the way that, they, that, they, that they're being perceived. And so there's a way to talk around all of those things and to give everybody second, third, and 290th chances. Because, again, that level of absolute power has gotten to the place where there's blind spots, like, everywhere. It just creates like additional blind spots everywhere. So I think it's it, to me, it's one of the most like dangerous places you can be within the context of church leadership, um, because, again, nobody wants to see you fall, really. You yeah. know, in a lot of ways. I don't know. Yeah, boys, it's uh, it's wild. Um, I don't know. I hope I hope there's a redemptive ending in this somehow. And I mean, obviously, we you know, we all believe in the gospel um, and we believe that, you know, a, a person has the the potential to sort of repent and be redeemed right up until the very end. So, um, yeah, hopefully there's there's hopefulness and redemption in the story somewhere. Uh, boys, I want to end with a kind of a lighter hearted one. Um, and I want to get your opinion on someone who tends to be very divisive in the film world. Um, that someone is Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I am a I'm a big Quentin Tarantino fan. Uh, he has a new movie coming out that I'm very excited about called uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, it stars some incredible people, Brad Pitt, uh, Leo DiCaprio, huge cast, um, looks pretty good. I'm excited to see it. Um, I want to get your uh, opinions on Tarantino because people tend to either love him or hate him. Uh, Big R, what are, your, what are your thoughts on this movie and, and this filmmaker? Um, I, gosh, yeah, I just, it's so funny you say that big T cause I just saw a, uh, I just saw a trailer for it. Um, I, it looks, I, it looks kind of different to me for a Tarantino mm-hmm. film, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and kind of putting, kind of putting, uh, you know, Brad Pitt and sort of that more of that co-star kind of mm-hmm. place behind uh, DiCaprio I thought was interesting cause that's kind of how it looks yeah. in the trailer. And, um, I don't know. I mean, Tarantino does, oh, you know, Tarantino can't be anything but Tarantino. So, you know, I feel like the, the trailer tells half the story. Yeah. And um, but it, but it, I think I forget what his last movie was, but I felt like I felt like the last movie he did. It felt like it felt like he was kind of treading water a little bit. This feels like this feels like he has like a renewed freshness towards yeah. being like the Tarantino that everybody is is hoping for. 
Dude, and, I agree. Uh, I actually, I didn't like his last movie. Uh, his last movie was Hateful Eight. Yeah. Yeah, I, and that thing kind of that thing kind of got buried. It didn't get great reviews, and it just kind of it didn't really it didn't really it wasn't a I don't think it was a smash. In terms and it of actually wasn't that numbers. good compared to the the previous two. So Inglorious Bastards, I loved. Django Unchained, I I loved. And this kind of um, just felt like a like a conglomeration of those two kind of mashed together. Even though I know it was a different movie, but I don't know. It just felt like he was treading like similar water from the previous two movies he had done. And this yeah. one seems like he's stepping outside of that now. And it's kind of taking place in the seventies, which is kind of a good decade for Tarantino. You know what it's I mean? It's a great decade, just visually. And and I yeah. kind of dig the idea of Tarantino, kind of doing Hollywood satire. You know, exactly. I feel like all the all the mega directors at, at one time or another will will delve. They'll dip their toe into the Hollywood satire, like industry satire waters. And, but I love. Uh, um, I'm interested. Yeah, in that. no, that's a good point. But you know what I love, man? I, I love that he's casting uh, DiCaprio into sort of this role. It's almost like DiCaprio's Jerry Maguire, Jerry Maguire role, where he's like this guy that's just he gets he's getting old and he's down on his luck. Yeah, that's I think that, man. That's not something we've seen DiCaprio like do a lot. You know what Dude, I mean? It's kind of a vulnerable moment for both of those alphas. You know, it is because DiCaprio's getting to do his like mid to late forties now, age wise. So he's going to have yeah. to play more of those kind of roles anyway. And so it's it's cool that he's like casting him in that kind of a role. And then again, Brad Pitt sort of being that being that co star, I thought was super interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. So pipe. Um, did you did you have this experience in college in in the nineties or the early two thousands where I feel like you had to pretend to like Quentin Tarantino in order to be thought of as cool by a certain kind of person. Oh, and absolutely. He, uh, the guy lived in the dorm room next door to me my freshman year in college, and he, he came in intending – he I mean, day one of college, he's like, oh, no, uh, I'm here. You know, I'm an art major, and then I'm going to go oh, yeah. to Hollywood and make movies. What did that guy <laughs> actually end up doing without naming his name? Do you remember like, – I came? have no idea. We – I mean – we didn't stay friends. We weren't like enemies. It's just we went different paths. Um, He's probably like a pharmacist or like yeah. managing a hedge fund so for his dad. His name is John Acuff. He, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If listeners of this podcast, if I if I list the three things that he used as a litmus test for other people, you will know why we didn't get along. And they were Requiem for a Dream, oh. Radiohead, and Pulp oh. Fiction. Dude, there that guy, that kind of college guy was so insufferable. It's lowest common it's lowest common art denominator is what I would call that. That's that's the worst kind of guy though because he's he's clearly like swinging his like artistry around in a, in a way that's supposed to like intimidate you or make you feel Yes, it's in it's a, what do we call that an art measuring contest? An art measuring con- it's an art measuring contest. Man, Piper's on fire today, Ron. He I really feel like is. Pipe's throwing – he's throwing like 98 miles it's per hour. It's pipes, it's pipes up today. Let's just it is. It's Pipes up. You and I are just along for the ride, yeah, just, and, uh, and that's good. Which is commentary. Yeah, so lowest like art common denominator for sure. Yeah, Pipe, do you like Tarantino? Did you pretend to like him or actually like him when well, – uh, Well, I never pretended to like God. Pulp Fiction. I hate Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction I hate Pulp Fiction Pulp too. Pulp Fiction is just a garbage movie. So I, agree. I don't know that anybody can like Tarantino because he has – he is so uneven – Mm-hmm. Some of his movies are really, really good. So the two that, you know, uh, I love Django Unchained, for example. Yeah. Uh, Kill Bill, um, the Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, I really enjoyed those back in the day. Yep. I really did not enjoy, um, I mean, Hateful Eight was just kind of fine. I enjoy it because, I enjoyed it because of the charisma of the cast, but it was sure. kind of a flat movie. Um, yeah. I didn't like Reservoir Dogs. Um, so there's just kind of all See, over I the place. I like that one. You did? Yeah. Yeah, I did, man. But but 
to be fair, though, I liked it in the 90s, and maybe I wouldn't like it if I saw it now. It right, that one feels a little bit like a period piece to me. Like, it was yeah. it was very sort of generation-specific, and I think I might have missed it. And yep. so, um, so, yeah, I there are some Tarantino movies where I'm like, oh, this is him at his absolute best. And then there are some that are like, what, why are we, what is happening here? Why are we doing this? Um, and that's why I said, you need to sell me on this. What was it? Once upon a time in Hollywood. Is that the name of it? Yeah. 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 Cause I really want to like it. I love Brad Pitt. Um, yeah, same. I wish Brad Pitt was just the lead. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think he's a better actor and a more compelling actor than Leonardo DiCaprio. I feel like DiCaprio has reached the Tom Hanks stage in his career where he just shows up and is himself. Interesting. Yeah, he may have. And really, this this movie may be the litmus test as to whether or not that's happened for him. Um, and I agree, Pipe. I'm, I'm more of a Brad Pitt enthusiast than a, than a DiCaprio enthusiast for sure. But it will be interesting to see the two of them on screen together. And that alone, to me, is almost enough of a reason to go see it. Um, the fact that it has Brad in it, I see all of Brad's movies. So um, I was going to see this one, whether it was Tarantino or not. But, um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm kind of stoked about it. And what, what are your I, thoughts about Margot Robbie as an actress? Because she's now sort of like a Tarantino favorite. You know, he gets his favorites. He has these, yeah, for you sure. know, for eras specifically. You know, Samuel Jackson shows up in a ton of his movies. What's the guy's name? Timothy? Um, Oliphant? Nope. Not him. British guy. He was in Reservoir Dogs. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can that picture him. Funny teeth. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. said British guy, so that might be redundant. Um, and, you know, so Leo's become one of these guys, I think, to a degree. Kurt Russell, I think, is in, isn't He's Kurt in Russell. this one. Russell's yeah. not in a ton of his other ones. Oh, I guess he was in Hateful Eight. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, but Margot Robbie's now seems like sort of a, a go-to for him. I don't. I don't get it. I don't. Is she a, is she a compellingly good actress? Dude, I'm not sure. I haven't seen her this in is, a lot of stuff. This is, this is brushing over the fact that she's an attractive woman that you can yeah. put in a movie. But like Hollywood is full of those. So why her as opposed yeah, I don't to know, anybody man. else? I don't know. I was going to I was going to beg that question, actually. I mean, why you know not? What? Though? I did see her in something that I liked. Um, she starred alongside Tina Fey in this kind of obscure Tina Fey movie called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Um have you seen it, Pipe? I haven't. I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it. Dude, it's actually really good. It's about, like, war journalists in the Middle East, and, and yeah, it has the two of them in it. Was it, it Tina was, trying to make a serious movie that literally <laughs> sold $20 at the box office? I think Dude, yeah, it definitely did $20 at the box office, and I don't even know how I ran across it, but I like Tina Fey. Like, I'm a huge Tina Fey fan, and I'll watch almost anything with her in it. Um, yeah, it was kind of half serious, half comedic. I liked it. Like, to me, it hit that... It hit that kind of genre space where it was a really good dramatic story with some comedic moments in it, which is a thing that I, I tend to really like. Um, like when I'm when I'm with the boys and KK's gone, like I'll, I'll go deep dive. I'll go face first into like the really stupid Will Ferrell comedies or whatever. But in general, like when I'm watching movies as a grown up, um, I, I don't tend to go like super deep dive into those. But uh, but yeah, she was good in that. But but yeah, Pipe, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure why the Tarantino obsession other than, you know, maybe she's super hot and he wants to like dirt bag it up with her. Who, who but, he knows, always, but he always likes to, but he likes to use people that most, that he likes to use people that like other people would question. I mean, that's kind of a Tarantino that's true. thing that's too. True. because he takes risks. And I, I think if, I think the one thing we can agree about with Tarantino is that he can, 
I mean, he, he can make, you know, he has the freedom to make movies that we are going to be able to say, man, I don't understand it. I thought it was horrible, but I absolutely love this other movie. And so he has that, like, he kind of has that unique place in Hollywood to where if he makes a movie that's not as great and doesn't sell as well, it doesn't really hurt him at all. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he's one of the, he's one of the few directors that like, you can very much draw a straight line between his movies and all of the sort of knockoff movies that have tried to be Quentin Tarantino. Um, it, there was one, and I'll be interested to see if you guys have seen this. Did you guys see the um, the Bad Night at the El Royale? No. Um, came out recently. Big ensemble. Very cast. Tarantino. Very Tarantino, though, huh? Dude, very, very Tarantino. Well, it was Tarantino Dude. right up until you saw Chris Hemsworth walk on screen, and you're like, oh nope, he that's not somebody who Tarantino would ever cast. Dude, that's true, and I love Hemsworth, but he was kind of the Hemsworth was the Achilles heel of that movie. Like he was really weak in it. His character just didn't work for me. But uh, in every other way, that movie looked like just a straight up Tarantino kind of rip off. And it was good. It was a it was a super fun movie. Yeah, there's um, even there's even uh, like his cinematic style has even influenced. So what is it called? American Gods. Um, it's a Neil mm-hmm. Gaiman book or series yeah. of books that has been turned into a TV series. But the way that it's shot and the just all of the cinematography looks like a, a straight up Tarantino ripoff. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, well, boys, we have, uh, we, we've probably exhausted these topics. I know that was a little abrupt, but I feel like there are people that have to get off the radio at 11 o'clock and I don't want to, I don't want to push anybody's, uh, anybody's limits. And, and Ron's got the last few, uh, blissful days of vacation to get back to. So, uh, we will let him do that. Boys, we have done what we always do on this program. We have wandered to and fro throughout these topics and until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at LifeAudio.com.